0: In our consumer-driven world, we see that the next best thing is on the market literally every day. I'm here to share a fascinating fact. You already have everything you need. It may be difficult for you to embrace this if you've grown accustomed to identifying everything you don't have. In this episode, I want you to get grounded in the reality that you are whole as you are and you possess everything required to take the next step in your incredible life. I'm Dr. Lisa Summerhour. I'm here to help you understand it's your life and your journey, and divorce is not a destination. Hello, 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 hello and good evening, everybody. Hi, April. It's good to see you here. And you know what's funny? I don't know if that's my sister April or my cousin April, but it's one of the Aprils. And it could be a different april maybe i shouldn't even make that assumption that it's an april that i know but anyway i am glad to have you here and since you're here uh, that means you have the ability to join in this conversation if you are so inclined um let me go ahead and get started with introducing myself hello everyone i'm dr lisa summer hour and this is my series divorce is not a destination and i designed and created this series because of my own personal experiences and experiences of other people that I've known throughout my life who have gone through divorce. And at some point, and for me, it's, 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 uh, more in my past, but I think there are always things we could be working on or working through. But at some point they felt like something about that process of going through divorce just took something out of them and they haven't filled that void yet. They haven't figured out how to get back to the person they feel like they could be, um, as a result of that divorce experience. And I also want to, I have a mission to get rid of the shame and guilt associated with going through a divorce, any stigmatism, any stigma that you have been uh, dealing with going through your divorce, because I am really coming to realize that it's a lot uh, more profound than I thought it was. It's a lot more widespread than I thought it was. You know, sometimes you go through things and you feel like you're the only person that experienced it that way. And while each experience is unique, I'm realizing that a lot of folks, especially women, have come through divorce and feel like they've lost something. And and it looks like an inability to trust themselves or believe. So divorce is not a destination is a space that I have created and a platform that I have to give people an opportunity to find community, to find support while they're on this journey to find themselves. So I, I say divorce is not a destination. This is your life. This is your journey. Nobody else gets to tell you what that's supposed to look like and how you have to navigate your life. And if divorce is part of that navigation, then that's, that's all it is. It's one part of the journey. It is not someplace that you are destined to be. It doesn't define who you are or how you need to show up. So that's what I'm here to help people realize that this is all life. It's all life happening, not necessarily to us, but for us. And so, Hopefully you'll come here and get fed and some of our conversations are lighter than others. Some of them are going to go a little deeper. And sometimes uh, we have people who join in the conversation and we don't know what we're going to get. But today, this evening, I'm actually talking about you having everything that you already need, having everything that you need. And what I, I posted in the, uh, the information for this one was just about, you know, when we look at, at, the, at the news, at the media, at advertising, There seems to always be, and I can use this iPhone as an example. There is a new iPhone model coming out. It seems like twice a year. There's an upgrade an update something, but we're kind of used to having the latest and greatest and newest and bigger and better of whatever it is. We produce way more cars than, than we're ever all going to drive, you know, and, and some people need to get a new car every, every year it seems. So we're always looking for what's, what's more, what's better. And on some, some people it's on different levels. Everybody's not chasing a new car. It might be something less expensive and something smaller. And then there's all the stuff that we do that, that is in that same vein that's internal. It's all personal. It's feeling like I don't have everything I need to show up in this world. And before I get into the positive things of, you know, you're wonderful. You were designed just the way you are. You're, you're perfect. Just being you, no one can be you the way you can be you before, before I get into these positive comments or these affirmations, I need to have the conversation about what, what is the other side of that? What is it that's needing, causing us to need these affirmations, right? So if you, don't believe that you have everything you need, then there's something in you that feels like you're lacking. It feels like you're missing something. And what is that thing that you're missing and why are you missing it? So it, it gets into this illusion of not enough. And I'm taking some of this. This is so interesting. I had these notes and when I, when I first uh, got this topic together two weeks ago, I guess I had these notes for this topic that I was just going to build on. And then today, this evening, actually something clicked. And I remembered this book and I hope this comes up in the right direction. I don't know if I have my thing mirrored or not. I hope you can read that. It is called Coaching into Greatness, Four Steps to Success in Business and Life. Coaching into Greatness, Four Steps to Success in, in Business and Life. And the author of the book is a woman named Kim George. I met Kim years ago when I was um, going through coaching with a company called Compass. She was one of the lead coaches and instructors. And I I learned under her and and another woman named Kath, who you've heard me talk about, who was my personal coach. Um, But George uh, Kim George wrote this book and it is still one of my favorite books. It is one of my favorite books. And in the book, she talks about these different illusions. She talks about seven illusions. Certainty, hope, the illusion of time, control, struggle, the illusion of comparisons. I probably do a whole nother show on that one. But this chapter, this one chapter speaks to what I'm talking about today. And it's the illusion of not enough. The illusion of not enough. So if you're struggling with feeling like you have everything you need or struggling, struggling with believing that you have everything you need, you fit into the category of not enough. And I would say that at any given point in our life, any of us could have felt like that. Something could trigger it. Um, I will say that I think going through a divorce for a lot of people um, is the thing that triggers it for them. You know, that that rejection or that dissolution of something that you thought was going to last forever, right? Um, our society tells us that, you know, we're supposed to find that one love and depending on your 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 religious practices or your traditional beliefs, your, your faith based uh, practices, you find that one person and you stay with them forever. Now, I could do a whole bunch of episodes on a bunch of other cultures that, that don't necessarily stand by that. or Or it could be, I think, uh, one of my sisters calls it, uh, mono- um, Oh my gosh. Um, it's a monogamy, but it's, it's sort of like monogamy on repeat. Like you, it's, it's this person and that person and that person. Some folks are not convinced that we're supposed to find one person and stay with them forever and ever and ever. um, And that it might need a little help, let me know if this volume is good i'm going to turn it up I don't want to blast anybody, but I want to make sure you are hearing me okay so hopefully it just got a little bit louder. Um, And so, this idea of you being enough. Let's first deal with the illusion of not enough. And I'm going to take notes from um, some information from Kim's book, because I just think she does a masterful job of sharing this with us. She looks at this as um, people not trusting that they are enough. So if you've questioned your ability to make healthy decisions for yourself, and again, this is divorce is not a destination. So a lot of times I'm going to relate it to that, but this could apply in other areas of your life. And it could spill over into other areas of your life, even if it got de- triggered by your relationship situations. Um, you don't trust uh, who you are. You don't trust the, the 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 feeling that you're complete. You don't feel like you're complete. It's that sense of being feeling incomplete. And, and if you think about it, when is something being incomplete ever looked at as positive? So if you are having a sense of, not feeling complete, not feeling like you're enough, um, then this uh, illusion of not enough enough is something that you're probably gonna be able to relate to. So Kim shares three conditioned patterns, she calls them. There are three conditioned patterns that we have when we are in this illusion of not enough space. And the first one is the conditioned pattern of more. The second one is the conditioned pattern she calls screenwriting, a uh, script writing. And the third one is a condition pattern she refers to as contingency. So let's start with um, this condition pattern of more and what that looks like and sounds like. So this condition pattern of more that feeds into the illusion of you not being enough, it will drive you to uh, feel like that you're trying to fill this void. And this void is causing you to have a, a deep sense of lack in your life. You You just don't feel like you have what you need. And it's characterized by this belief that um, you're convinced that there's something or someone outside of yourself, something or someone outside of yourself that's going to complete you. Now, if this is ringing a bell, clap or blow a whistle or click that little react button because um, probably someone on here right now or someone who will listen to this and replay is going to think, oh, my God, I can remember when I think thought... Oh, when I get married, that's I, I'm going to feel completed. I'm going to have this other person after I get married, and that's what's going to complete me. Or when I get this particular job, that's when it's going to you know put me right where I want to be. I'm going to feel uh, like this whole person because right now I don't feel complete. I don't. I feel like I'm missing something. So this person has an expectation that perfection actually exists. Who? <laughs> That perfection actually—I'm laughing at myself because I used to joke that I was—I'm a, a member of Perfectionist uh, um, Anonymous. Uh, that you know, you have to stand. Hi, my name is Lisa. I'm a perfect. I'm a recovering perfectionist. Um, so this person with this condition pattern of more believes that perfection exists. They have not reached it, therefore there's a problem, right? And so they're spending a lot of energy and time and thought. On what is it that I need to do to complete myself? And when I complete myself, then I'll be this perfect whole person. This perfect whole person. They believe that they have to be great instead of looking at and identifying the greatness that's already in them. They believe that they have to be great or become great. That greatness exists somewhere outside of themselves instead of taking a look inward and identifying the things about them that already make them a great human being. So that's the condition pattern of more. Hey, Nadine, Um, and for those of you just joining, um, we're talking about you having everything that you need. And we're starting that conversation uh, talking about the illusion of thinking that you're not enough. And the reason I'm starting here is because if I give you... Just a bunch of positive things, a bunch of affirmations about how wonderful you are. And it feels good while you're here talking to me or listening to me. It always feels good when someone's pouring positivity into you or or well wishes or whatever. The challenge is if you don't take a moment and remove the stuff that's already in your head, these conditioned patterns, if you don't identify these conditioned patterns and move them out of the way and start doing the work to start calling them the lies that they are, you don't have room for any positive affirmations. Your, your brain is going to throw that stuff out shortly after you get off of this podcast, shortly after you start hearing my voice, because it's only going to last as long as you hear someone else telling you. None of this works if you don't internalize it for yourself. And we're going to talk about uh, what, what internalizing this looks like a little bit later. So if I forget, someone remind me, we're going to talk about motivation versus inspiration. So the three patterns were more scripting and contingency. I just talked about the condition pattern of more. Now let's talk about this condition pattern of script writing. I have another word for this. I'll tell you about it in a minute. So Kim, um, she, she characterizes script writing as how we project our insecurities. We project this image of ourselves that isn't actually real. So um, we say things like, oh, I should be smarter or I should be further along in my career than I am. I I should be more successful or I should be married by now. You know, I should have kids by now. I should have the picket fence. Whatever this shoulda, woulda, coulda my dad used to say, it's projecting all of these things out into the universe um, that always puts you in a place of, again, lacking. You're not there. You aren't married. You don't have this job that you think you should have. So Kim refers to this as script writing, and it leaves us comparing ourselves to other people. Because as soon as you're thinking, oh, wow, I should, I should be married right now. The next thing that you tend to do is you start looking at all of your friends who have gotten married. And all of a sudden, it seems like everybody is getting married, but you. If you start comparing yourself to all the people that have what you think might be the perfect job, or they're, at a place in their career and you don't think you're there, this comparison thing starts happening. And, and this comparison issue is so powerful that Kim actually has, it's, an, it's its own illusion. There's an illusion of comparison that she talks about actually in the next chapter of this book. But if you are living with this script writing pattern, you're in this, um, uh, it's like, I should have this by now and it puts you in a perpetual state of lack. You, you will never catch up because what you start doing is, I could be more happy if, if I had this and this, I could be more happy. So this is the script writing. It's the things that you tell yourself that you actually start believing and there's no basis for truth. There's no way for you to prove that you're gonna be happier if you get that job, that you would be happier if you were married that you would be happier if you lived in a bigger home. These are things that you're telling yourself, but you don't know that there's any truth to that. And and because you're forecasting, you're putting the opportunity for a better life, for more joy in your life, for your life to flourish, because you are projecting that out into a future, it means you're not living it now. You're not even able to live it now because you're not living in your now. You're living in a period of time that hasn't happened yet in an experience that you don't even know is gonna bring you the fulfillment that you're telling yourself it is. So you're creating a script that you're trying to live into and the script doesn't really, it doesn't re- exist in reality. So her third condition pattern, the third one we talked about more, we talked about script writing. Okay, I call that Spielberging When you start thinking of things in your head that haven't really happened and you you, you kind of just make it worse and worse and worse. Um, it's a little bit different than that, but I I, I have another word. So the third con- condition pattern is called contingency, contingency. And you actually, hi, Lois, you actually make contingencies with yourself. So she says this leaves people um, waiting for something external to happen before they can make any decisions. So it sounds like um, when I get a new job, you know, I'm going to feel better about myself when I get married. It sounds a lot like the script writing because this is what you've been telling yourself in your script. And that script often is a contingency. Um, the new car is what's going to have me satisfied. If I get more likes, more followers, more clients, my life is going to be so much better. So it's the, it's the if this happens, this will happen. You literally create this contingency plan that you're gonna live by. And so you can get obsessed with whatever this thing is that you're telling yourself is gonna make life perfect for you. And I'm actually going into her book because I, I literally got re-fascinated with this book as I was going through my notes for this evening. And I just thought, you know, divine interventions that my brain was like, remember Kim's book in that one chapter, she talks about, um, these different characteristics, and I'm gonna just highlight the three characteristics so you can hear them together. The characteristics of believing that there's something more is believing that something or someone outside of ourselves is going to complete us. Then the characteristics of uh, script writing is projecting this image of ourselves that isn't true. The characteristics of uh, contingency is that something outside of ourselves is what's going to happen and that's going to make things better. It's going to make things different for us. So I want to talk about this distinction um, between motivation and inspiration, motivation and inspiration. And I had read this before and it struck me a little bit differently this time because People will say I like to say that I'm a transformational coach or a transformational speaker. Sometimes I'll still say motivation because I grew up hearing about motivational speakers. But I've heard uh, people like uh, Eric Thomas, Dr. Eric Thomas, who people know as the uh, the hip hop preacher or E.T. Um, I've heard other speakers who are in that space uh, say, you know, motivation is not, maybe not be the word. Some people will motivate you, but researchers and and people that do behavioral science studies will tell you motivation is going to fade shortly after you get motivated. You've got to figure out a way to keep yourself engaged in whatever it is. There's gotta be a meaning and purpose behind it because someone motivating you is an external, it's an external stimuli. And this is what Kim says. When you feel you're not enough, You get motivated to do something to get more, or you get motivated to do something to get whatever that contingency thing was, or you get motivated to do something because you, um, I'm looking at the second contingency, because you, you got this script going in your head and you're trying to make that script come true. So you're motivated in that moment because that thing is happening right now here. The problem with that is once it stops or once you, you you get the car and then you realize this didn't get you where you want, now you're kind of at a standstill again and you need something else to continue to motivate you because you were being motivated by an external source. Inspiration, as she describes it, and I believe this, is inspired from internal, from an internal place. It's initiated from something inside of you. And so once you're inspired to do something, now you've got a hold on it, or maybe it's got a hold on you, or it's some combination of that. So you are much more likely and much more uh, engaged in the process of moving yourself forward because you've been you've been inspired by something. I actually think I heard a quote I, uh, when I heard it, it was attributed to Stevie Wonder, and I think he was saying something like he's he's motivated by people, he's inspired by God. So it's kind of the same thing, motivated by people, external, inspired by God, that internal spirit within you, right? And so somehow you've got to figure out not to continue to be not just motivated by external things, but so impacted, right, by, by external forces, because that causes a lot of overwhelm when you just feel like you need all of these things coming from outside of you in order for you to be able to do what you want to do or feel the way you feel that, that you need to feel. Um, so I'm going to open up. And if there's somebody that wants to, to jump in, if something has struck you, if it's caused you to think about something, I want to give you an opportunity to share. Um, and we'll we'll keep going in conversation. But have you ever been in a place where you you understand this motivation and inspiration? That's one. But have you been in a space where that feeling of not being enough not being enough. And when we do stories, when I'm doing workshops, one of the activities that we do is uh, an opportunity for, for people to share stories of when they felt like they were being treated differently in their lives. And very often it's during this part of our workshops where these kinds of stories will surface because it could be something that happened in their childhood with family members. It could be something that happened with friends or schoolmates. It could be something that happened in their job, their marriages, where something got triggered and they no longer feel like they're actually enough. And so if you have had that experience and would like to share it, we would love to hear and you don't have to give names or uh, details. I always tease we don't have a therapist on site right here, so um, we don't want you to go so deep that it's uncomfortable. But if you're comfortable sharing, I just want to have that conversation because I think Uh, When we open these mics up is usually when we get information that's going to help some other folks. One of the other things that um, that Kim talks about is the self-help. So when you're thinking about not feeling like you're enough and you hear things like, oh, well, I'm going to get it's self-help. You want to be able to help yourself. She looks at that term as coming from a place where it says, well, if I need self-help, I'm speaking into some deficiency that I'm assuming that I have. Interesting way to think of that, right? Cuz we hear self oh, it's a self-help book, it's a self-help tape, it's a workshop, of, you know, self-help. And her thing is, let's change that to self-worth. From self-help to self-worth. And so already you start making this transition to feeling like, hmm, maybe I am enough, right? Maybe I am enough. Maybe the the wording that I'm using, the language that I'm using is helping to keep me in a a mental state of not feeling like enough. So I'm going to share what she talks about this. She says that at the very core, self-help kind of says that we're broken, that we have something about us that we need to have fixed. And it's something that we want that's outside of ourselves that has to be achieved or attained that we have to strive for that's going to help fix us. But she says, when you look at this as being, as having self-worth, it's believing that you already have everything you need. You already have everything you need. And I so believe this. I, I, I have had, I had a mentor years ago, Mrs. Lassane. And I used to call her when I was overwhelming myself with something. And she would say to me, be quiet and be still and listen. And initially I would just be like, oh, you're talking to me to be quiet. I'm telling you that I just had this happen. And she'd say, be quiet, be still and listen. And now I would add to that breathe, right? So be quiet, be still and listen. And then when I got quiet enough, she would say, because the answer that you're looking for is already inside of you. You need to be quiet so you can hear it. You know, now years later, I'm reading, reading Kim here. It's believing that you already have everything you need, that you are the person you've been waiting for, that you have the capacity of greatness. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to achieve it. You don't have to reach your potential. Um, there's nothing to reach. There's only living who you are right now. Doesn't thank you for the hearts. Doesn't I'm going to read that again because it almost sounds so simple. The difference between thinking about self-help and self-worth is the difference between thinking I've got to strive to be who I already am versus I just have to learn to appreciate who I already am. Self-worth Believing that you already have everything you need, that you're the person that you've been waiting for, that you have the capacity of greatness. You don't have to strive or achieve or reach your potential. There's nothing to reach. There is only living who you are. I don't know if it can get better than that, but I'm going to keep going. So it's the belief that you're complete and that you are more than enough. You're exactly more than enough exactly as you are right now and and this can be a challenge if you've already been in a state of questioning yourself because it's about not trusting yourself um franklin covey's son uh stephen m r covey is the uh, king of trust he he has a whole workshop a whole series on trust and we take this into organizations and, and, and universities and colleges to work with teams on developing trust. And what Stephen M. R. Covey says is trust is the great accelerator. Now, I believe that's true for people that we live with and work with and have to deal with in, in our lives. I also believe it's true for how we, how we embrace ourselves. And it's really difficult, if not impossible, to trust anybody outside of ourselves if we haven't first learned to trust ourselves. And if you've been through a divorce, if you've been through something that has been traumatic for you, um, the breakup of a relationship, the loss of a job that, that, you know, you've you've really wanted, whatever it is that causes you to just feel off kilter, it's really easy. And there's a tendency to stop trusting yourself. You start trusting your ability to deal with a problem. You start, stop trusting your ability to, your capacity to cope, Right. And you create your own overwhelm. And so we've got to get back to being able to trust ourselves. Because um, Kim talks about this. The opposite of not enough isn't enough. The opposite of not enough isn't enough. It's worth. It's worthiness. So it's not thinking, okay, I'm enough. You, You may be enough, but if you start thinking, I'm worthy, you know, that I'm complete. Uh, she says it grows, growth occurs as a natural unfolding of something that's already complete in itself. So earlier when I talked about um, the, the, the sense of of more, that wanting more, that, that pattern, that conditioned pattern of more leaves you feeling incomplete, what you want to understand and start believing about yourself is that you are a whole complete being just as you are. When you wake up every day, you are completely 100% you. And, and I don't mean to say this like, there aren't things that we could enhance or that we might wanna work on or that, or that we wanna adapt to. And that's part of the growth process that every day we can, we can be a little bit different because we can grow into experiences or because of experiences. I just think that we show up differently when we have this sense of feeling worthy of just being, right? And that empowering sense that you get of realizing who you already are is fantastic. You know, she says more is a facet of lack. It's the perception of incompleteness. It it grows from it's being forced in order to compensate for that incompleteness. So you're lacking when you don't feel complete. She talks about capacity. And this is the idea that you are already that whole person. You're already the person that you were designed to be. So I see some movement down here, who wants, to, who wants to join the conversation? And let me just do a little, I'm going to do a couple of notes here. In the lower left corner, you're going to see two bars. If you click on those bars, it will give you some options. And you'll see one that says, uh, ask to speak, and it will let you open up your microphone. Don't worry, you will not be on the stage. It will just let you open up your microphone. You can be invited to be on video if you'd like, but you don't have to. And I think some of you have already been using the React button, so you know how they're working. If somebody is trying to get on and you're having problems getting on, please clap or give me some kind of a sign and I will request it for you because I know the last couple of weeks there have been some tech issues where people haven't been able to get to certain Uh, buttons. And I'm not sure if everyone that was having that problem has fixed it. So let me see if I have anybody here that wants to come on. And what I want to talk about now is just um, you really having everything that you need and now being able to take a look at your life. And there was something that I read here that Kim said, It's, it's thinking that you have to become or be great instead of recognizing the greatness that's already in you. So what I'm going to ask you to do, and there's an exercise that you can do, um, and you can basically take inventory. You can take inventory, and you can take inventory from a personal level, and you can take a physical inventory. Because I do believe we create spaces that we live and work and operate in that we want to be reflections of us, and sometimes there's an incongruency there. And so when you take this inventory, it helps you appreciate things, And it can also help you find out, do I have things in my space that really aren't a reflection of of me? So, you know, wherever they came from, and maybe you bought them because you were trying to get this external gratification. So you bought things that you're looking at now going, why do I have that here? I I don't even like this piece of artwork. Why is this hanging in my house? And it's okay for you to make a decision that it needs to go somewhere else, because I really think we should be able to walk into the spaces that we live in and feel really good about that space because that space reflects us. It it reflects how we feel about ourselves, right? So here's your your inventory exercise. Um, You can walk around your home and decide that this is exactly how I want my home to be and appreciate all of the things that you can appreciate about your space, every room in your home. Don't, you know, the first pass, just find all of the things that you really love. And then sit down and do the same inventory with yourself. Can you sit down and name five, 10 things about yourself that you love? If you really want to get bold, stand in the mirror naked and do it. What is it that you love about you? Is your posture really good? (laughs) (laughs) Are your breasts still fabulous? I know I'm 60. They're not where they were when I was 20, but doggone it. I'm still loving my tatas. So I still celebrate them because they're here and they're doing, they're pretty much doing what they are supposed to do. Um, My feet don't look too bad. They're still long and really narrow. But when I go and get a a pedicure, I'm not afraid to take my socks off. So find those things about yourself that you can embrace, that you love. And you may surprise yourself, right? But also pay attention to that self-talk. Pay attention to the script that you may have already been writing for yourself and that you might catch yourself still trying to read from that may have some negative things to say and question that when that happens. Where did that come from? Years ago, I read a book by, um, I think it was Dr. Tom Barrett. And it was Love is a Choice. Love is a Choice. I think that was the book. It was a really It's probably 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And he talks about taking the old jelly out of your donut so you can refill it with new jelly. So when I talked earlier about the reason I'm starting with the things that keep us from feeling like we're enough, it's because we need to identify that old jelly. We need to locate that old jelly. And you can ask yourself even, where did this come from? Who planted this jelly in my daggone donut? Because sometimes it's things that we heard from family members, oh, I can remember, and you. everybody knows I love my grandmother. My grandmother taught me to sew. I followed her around. I followed my grandfather around. But my grandmother used to jokingly say, thank God we're all smart in this family because none of us can sing or dance. I don't know if my mom and my aunt remember her saying that, but yep, thank God we're smart. We are not the Jacksons. Well, I found out I actually can sing, and my sister is a phenomenal dancer. <laughs> but if I told you how many years having that voice in my head kept me from even thinking about singing anywhere, you would, be, you would be dumbfounded. And so we sometimes pick up these voices that jelly in our donut doesn't always come from us. Very often it's stuff that we adopted from the outside. So think about those things as you're going through your, your inventory, where did this come from? Because then you can challenge it, especially if it wasn't even yours. You're carrying somebody else's stuff and you've packed it in your donut and you're carrying it around. So we want to get all of that stuff out of there and then you can refill it with whatever you want to fill it. You want cheese cream? What do you want to fill your donut with? Fill it whatever, new jelly, blueberry sauce, whatever it is, fill it up. But you do need to go through the stuff that's already in there. So think about the colors. And if I could, you know what, Can I don't know if I can show you my office right now or not. I have four or five different colors on the walls in my office. And people think when I tell them it sounds like a circus. And then when they come in here, I tell people I have the happiest office in America. I just, I love the colors. I love the space. I love the way it feels when I walk in here. And every person that's ever walked into this office walks in and goes, oh my gosh, I'm looking at these colors. And I wouldn't think that they would work, but they look amazing in here. So even the colors, um, think about, things that you invest your time in. So when you're doing this inventory, maybe one week or for two weeks, write down the things that you do. Put it on a calendar and color block it. I was at work for these hours. I came home and I did what? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your time? Because maybe there's something that you could do with your time that's gonna help change you from not feeling Uh, not valuing yourself, not feeling worthy to feeling worthy. And maybe it's something that you could be doing for yourself. So maybe you come home and it's the TV for the next four hours or five hours until you go to sleep. Maybe you need to shut the TV off and read a book. I could recommend this one by Kim George or several others. Um, Maybe you need to read a book. Maybe you should get off work and go get a manicure or a pedicure or a massage or take yourself to a movie. So Do this inventory and make it sort of a holistic approach. Your living space, your workspace, you, uh, what are you doing with your time? How are you taking care of yourself? Right. How are you taking care of your health? So what are the things in your life that are really working for you? And write those things down and take a minute and celebrate that for yourself, because whatever that is, you created it. And we go day to day to day and we tend to look for problems because it's kind of part of how humans operate. We can't fix things if we don't find the problem. So we like finding problems so we can fix them. Uh, But sometimes you need to take a pause and just celebrate what's already working, what's already good, what's already worthy, because you actually created that, too. You did not just create problems in your life. You are not just responsible for things you identify as deficiencies in your life. You're also responsible for some of the freaking amazing good stuff that's happening in your life. And when is the last time you reminded yourself of that and celebrated it? So I'm giving you permission and almost challenging you to figure out what those things are. Um, Love in your life, love in your life. Who do you love in your life? Who are the people in your life who love you? When's the last time you told them or showed them or did something for them so they could see how you care for them? Maybe it's going to be a note. Maybe it's going to be a phone call. Maybe you write a love letter or a letter to a friend you haven't talked to in years or a mentor that you, you haven't you've thought about, but you didn't reach out to them. So all of these little things help to increase how you are viewing yourself And you start realizing, I have the capacity for so much, and I have demonstrated that capacity over my life. And you start believing in yourself again. It's a really good way for you to start trusting yourself incrementally. And it doesn't mean you're not going to have setbacks. It does not mean something might not happen that triggers you. But it's every time you take a few steps forward and you realize, wait a minute, I, I, I forgot about this and I, I didn't remember I had done that. And this person told me how I had helped him do. Every time those things come to the forefront, when you take a step back, it's easier for you to keep moving forward again. It's easier for you to keep moving forward again because you just develop, as she called these condition patterns. You can have condition patterns that are positive and forward thinking that are going to cause you to find inspirations in your life and not just be motivated by external things. And I'm not going to say, I'm not even going to tell you that motivation is necessarily negative, even if it comes from an external source, because you have people in your life that are great at motivating you. It's just that you need to catch that fire internally for it to be something that inspires you to continue on. So you have a, a friend come visit you for two weeks and you're motivated to start going to the gym with them or exercising and they leave and you're like, oh, well, she's gone or he's gone. And now it's no fun going to, that means it didn't take fire. You're not inspired to do it on your own. You needed that external motivation. And that's when motivation becomes problematic because now you got to keep having somebody else come and restart your engine, right? When you, when you could be doing it on your own. So let me ask you some reflection questions. Ask yourself, do you feel like you have everything that you need? And, and let me, let me, let me qualify this. And I know this is in Kim's book because when I read it over 10 years ago, the first time, and I don't even, I'm trying to remember if I got through it um, because there's so much in this book. One of the things Kim talks about is the only thing you need to do to be ready for is the very next step in your life. And some of you may have heard me talk about this before. And when we think about moving forward and what we wanna do and our goals and what we wanna achieve, sometimes we see the goal all the way at the end. And it's that's the only thing that we're looking at. And I know they say, keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize, but your next step is the step right in front of you. So when you think about everything that you need to do the things that you wanna do. You only need to know that you have what you need to take the next step. You don't have to worry about three steps out. You don't have to worry about next week. So what is the very next thing? So when you think about that, that's how I want you to think about, do I feel that I have everything I need? And if your answer is still no, which of your needs are unfulfilled? So it's a question that kind of challenges you to go back and go, am I having any needs right now that are really unfulfilled? There might be things that I really want, but we're talking about needs right now. Um, What can you do to ensure that you do have all you, you need if you do find that there's an unfulfilled need? Maybe you feel like you're lacking love in your life. Maybe that's what you feel like you're missing. And that's a fair and honest thing. And if you're, honest enough with yourself and that's what comes up, then that's what's real and true for you. So let's just play with that for a minute. If there's love lacking in your life, the first question I'm going to ask you is how are you loving on yourself? How are you loving on yourself? Because sometimes we want other people to come into our lives and do things for us that we haven't even been doing for ourselves. So make it an avatar, give him or her a name, And say, well, if I had this person in my life, this is what I'd want them to do. And then ask yourself, am I doing these things for myself? Yeah. And then the last one would be, how can I feel more satisfied with what I have right now? That's a huge one. Because there's that, there's a peace and a calm and this contentment that can happen when, when you can be satisfied with what you do have. And it doesn't mean you may not aspire for more, probably human nature, right? It doesn't mean that you, know, you, you can't want a, a newer car or that you might not even need one. Yours may be breaking down so much it's costing you more to get it repaired than it would be to have a car note, but you don't have the down payment right now. So all of those things taken into consideration, is there something that you could do that would help you be more satisfied, or I'm sorry, can you be more satisfied with what you do have? So maybe the car isn't the best thing in the world, but it's still getting you from point A to point B. Let's, let's be satisfied with that, even while you look for the solution to replace it. Be satisfied, and I would say thankful, or grateful, or all of the above. So I'm going to, I'm opening this up again, just to see if we have anybody that has anything they want to share here. I'm looking in the comments here. There we go. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep. Hello, everyone. Oh, you're coming through loud.
1: TV. I'm coming through loud. <laughs> yeah, you're
0: okay. I think turn the no. TV off if there's something in the background.
1: No, there's nothing. I'm Okay. Saying
0: okay, we're getting an echo, but go ahead. We can hear you.
1: No, I was just thinking about um, enjoying and appreciating the things that you have. And I think sometimes some of us don't know um, exactly what we need until it smacks us in the face and, tell. <laughs> and I'm thinking about the home that we're living in. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> yeah. And I would say, you know, a need or we don't know if we're, if we're going to enjoy, you know, something right away. Cause I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Um, because I enjoy our home so much. And three years ago I would have never thought that it would bring this much um I don't know, peace or, or whatever. I mean, I just love just sitting here, just sitting here, staring at the trees, listening to the birds. Um, I've never lived in a place like this and Mm. it is amazing. It's just amazing. And everyone who comes here feels the same way. So I appreciate it. I have what I need. And um, yeah, I still have a few, you know, goals, but I have what I need. So that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, it's it, it really is a it's nice waking up in a in a space and a place that that like you said we've we live in a place that looks like kind of a tropical oasis and for people who have been here they tease us and go oh it's little maui um, it, it's really secluded we would have never found it when we found it my mother hated it <laughs> and and now she's got like her favorite places to sit or to walk around or um, just to just to have some quiet, you know, every morning. And so it really does help create the serenity that you need to have these reflective moments of thinking about. I feel like I have everything I need. And it is a wonderful place when you can get there. You don't have to have a palm tree in your yard for that to be the case. You could be sitting on the edge of your bed in the morning, uh, staring out a window and realize that you have everything that you actually need. And from that place to be able to figure out how can I create more satisfaction in my life just the way it is? What are some of the small things that I can do? to feel more satisfied in this life, in this day. You know, you know, do it daily. Um, and even at work, you really wanna challenge yourself. Um, figure out how can I feel like I'm being, I'm more satisfied in this moment at work. What would that take? And if you just challenge yourself or test yourself with these things, ask yourself these questions periodically, you start looking for the solution or the, 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 the um, thing that's gonna address that question. And that is so empowering because it's, it's a lot better and a lot more rewarding, I would say, than sitting around harping or thinking about that script that's going on in your head of the things that aren't going well or the person you don't think you are or the things that you don't feel like you have. And so let's start changing these thought processes. Let's start changing how we're conditioning our thinking so that we're thinking about things as they are. And embracing those things, and then from that place, looking at what's next, and being confident that I don't know exactly what's down the road, but I'm starting to trust that the next step I take, I'm going to be okay with that. That I can handle whatever is coming, because this is not about nothing's going to ever go wrong. It's not about it's going to just be perfect. And if something there's a problem, none of this stuff worked. Our our. Our goal in trusting ourselves is to know that whatever happens, we've got the capacity to deal with it. So I'll leave you with this. How many of you've all heard the glass is half full or half empty? Clap if you're a half full, put a peace sign up if you're a half empty or something. Or now you can just clap something that you're right. So how about this idea? How about you are the glass, you are the cup and you have the capacity to expand. So now the cup really never runs over. And if it does, then it just blesses other people when it does. But you're not this container, this stagnant container. You were designed to grow. You were designed to be able to adapt. You were designed to be able to change. So you never run out of the capacity to love. You never run out of the capacity to give. And you never run out of the capacity to receive. And sometimes that's the most challenging one for us is to be able to receive. We're often much better at giving than receiving. But just understand that if you're always giving, you never give somebody else the blessing of being able to give if you never understand or learn the blessing of being able to receive. But think of yourself as that container. And the more that's poured into you, you just continue to grow to receive it. And when you want to pour some out for somebody else, you have the capacity to do that. So I want to thank everybody for being here. And I meant to do this at the top of the, the top of the show. I'm going to do it now. So one of the stretch goals that I just did, and I'm going to write a, a blog about this. I turned sixty last month, and a few a week or so ago, I entered the Fab Over Forty contest. Fab Fab Over Forty. So the link that you see running across this ticker tape here, is the link for you to go and do one free vote to me a day for the next like month while this contest is going on. So I can at least try to get into the top five and make it into the, the quarter finals or semifinals or whatever it is. But if you know my Facebook, I'm posting it there. Um, I'm sending messages out, but it is here in the ticker tape. If you click that, It'll open up a link so you can go there and vote right after the uh, this episode goes off. Um, I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. If you're listening in replay, thank you so much. Share the podcast location with a friend. And uh, I will see you back here next week. Good night, everybody. And remember, you do have everything you need to take the next step you need to take in your life. Good night. Thank you for listening to my series, Divorce is Not a Destination. You can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Divorce is Not a Destination. And if you enjoyed this episode, recommend Divorce is Not a Destination to your family and friends. Be sure to join my live audience and see upcoming shows by registering for access here at Fireside. That's FiresideChat.com backslash Lisa Summer Hour, S-U-M-M-E-R-O-U-R. Catch replays here on Fireside or your favorite streaming channel. Until next time, remember, your life, your journey, and divorce
1: is not a destination. Live on Fireside.